Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Gem G and with me as always, the Elton to my John, Kev P. Hello. So today we've got a slightly different interview because we have a guest on the podcast to talk alongside Kev about the Glastonbury experience. Yeah, so in this episode we've got a friend of mine called Dan who I went to Glastonbury with last week and you'll hear from us both on what our thoughts were and everything that happened. So before we get into that, I keep getting asked why I didn't go to Glastonbury with you and the main reason is I didn't want to. You didn't want to, but that was also before you knew who any of the lineup was. That is true, but I have a number of reasons why I didn't want to go. Yeah, I'll try and keep them brief because there's quite a few. First one is it's a long way away from here. It's It's about four and a half, five hours. hours. Fully appreciate people travel that far to download Bloodstock for even longer this year. And we are very lucky that most of the festivals we regularly go to are probably only about an hour maximum from us. Yeah. However, you know... (laughs) have no desire to go that far to a festival. The size of it is so huge and the amount of people I can just about cope with the maximum of download this year. And that's probably my limit of people. Yeah, and Glastonbury is kind of like twice the size. Exactly. Like you say, you don't know who's there. Although having said that, last few years we have got our RIP tickets on early bird before we know who's at download. There's a very high chance there's going to be lots of people I want to watch at download. And this year's Glastonbury lineup, there was probably six or seven people I might have watched. I think there would have been more than Maybe that. Maybe more. There's people I might have watched because they were there. Mm. Quite a few people who I would have watched who have seen before. So line-up wise, it doesn't necessarily appeal that much. I know there's loads of other stuff you can do as well, some of which appeals, some doesn't. And the flags, but we'll get onto that later. And having to do normal camping. <laughs> I'm accustomed to posh camping now. Yeah, not the uh, situation you get at Glastonbury. Yeah. And along with that, the toilets and the showers <laughs> and all of that. Yeah, I think they're my main reasons for not wanting to accompany you. So, yeah, I asked a few questions about the experience and obviously who you saw. So listen on to find out more. So basically, we were we had a hotel north of Bristol, which I think without any traffic is like an hour and a quarter away. Um, the worst part of the traffic was getting through Bristol. But we basically, we got to Shepton Mallet and I didn't realise how close it actually was to the site. So we just stopped in the Tesco and there was a few people there you could tell were going to Glastonbury. I don't know if they were waiting for lifts or just popped in there to get some food or go to the toilet or whatever. But we left the Tesco. We drove through the rest of Shepton Mallet in about five minutes. And I think then I was like, okay, we're in we're in the festival traffic now. We came to a roundabout. Um, I think there were people stopping the traffic. They let us through. And then I think we'd always had a, in our mind we were going to go to Blue Car Park, but we just ended up at Purple, and we were like, we don't really want to go in here. So we drove like another five minutes and just turned straight into Blue Car Park. So we were probably in festival traffic for less than 10 minutes in total, and we were in the car park. Like We basically parked up, yeah, from Shepton Mallet, I think, to parking up probably 20 minutes in total. It was It was very quick, very efficient. And even when we left, it probably took us – 10 minutes to get out of the car park and onto the road and then we basically encountered no festival traffic at all it was very quick yeah i was very surprised but for that amount of people how quick it actually was i thought we were going to be queuing for like a good two or three hours especially getting out on monday morning but i think we were in the car by about nine o'clock monday morning i didn't think we'd get out of the car park till probably like 11 to midday but we were out of the car park in like 20 minutes yeah i, I thought exactly the same and we we purposefully kind of wanted to go for blue because we'd heard blue was much easier to get in and out of. You've got a bit more of a walk, but it's easier to get in and out as opposed to the other side where yeah. there were people who were queuing. Some people, it took them like four or five hours to get in. It was taking some people like seven hours to get out, just out of the car park. Yeah. And then you've got your drive on top of that. So mm. Yeah, if I, if I ever went again, I'd definitely head for, for blue car park because it was so quick. And what about security? Pretty easy, to be honest. Um, what was the two queues? I think we queued, like, once we got into the car park, it was probably, like, what, 45 yeah. minutes? And there was two people literally looking at your picture. And then we were basically in there, weren't we? But I think we went in, like, pedestrian gate D, which is, like, through the uh, camper fields. But then when we got to security, I don't, I don't think I got searched once. I didn't go through any of our stuff. No, nothing Nothing of mine was gone through. I didn't see anybody get searched, to be honest. That's interesting. 
no, that, uh, but they do, they do look at your picture, don't they? And that's about it, really. They don't check any ID or anything. So I guess if you look sort of similar to your picture, yeah. you probably... Yeah, they, they gave mine a good look because my hair was, from when I originally had my registration done, I got really short hair. And now I've got long hair. They, were kind of, they did give me kind of like a bit of a double take when they looked at me. But yeah, it was, it was relatively simple getting getting through, getting in pretty easy. Okay, so once you got in, how did you decide where to come? Did you get any direction or is it a free-for-all? It's a free-for-all. Cool. Um, we we kind of knew where we wanted to go, though, didn't we? Yeah, I think we've been talking for a while, but we, I don't think we'd really decided until the night before, had we really? Um, but I think we had like a campsite in mind. Yeah. And I mean, we got there, what, what about nine o'clock and we probably got into the campsite about 10, maybe? Was it? Yeah, somewhere around a little that. bit off. And I think some of the campsites were getting quite full, but we probably only walked past a couple, really, before we found, like, a decent spot. But I think they will probably tell you if you want to know if there's space in a certain campsite. I think if you ask them, they will basically say, you can head here, this camp is too busy, that sort of thing. But, I mean, we had a pretty good spot. I dare say we were walking maybe half an hour once we went through the gate to actually get to a, a camp spot. There might have been one closer. But... Yeah, I think I think we passed a couple that were closer, but I think we'd initially, for the pitch that we were looking at, we were looking at the ones on a really steep hill, weren't we? It was on a real slope. Yeah, and... yeah it must have been like, I reckon like 60, 70 degrees slope. Yeah. And there were plenty of space there, wasn't there, when we first spotted it. Um, but I think we, we got probably a better spot, but I'm pretty certain people were camp on that slope by the time like that evening came around. So, Oh, yeah. Well, I could see people starting to pitch up on the slope already, and they were kind of quite high up on there. And I was kind of like, mm, don't really want to be on that if I can help it. Yeah, you know? It is quite hilly, to be fair. The whole site is pretty hilly. Yeah. it's I've, I've never known hills like it. It's kind of like the, you know, if you imagine download mm. going up to the dog tooth, yeah. That's kind of like just the normal hill at Glastonbury, isn't it? Yeah. The whole site is basically like like that. Yeah, it looks really flat on telly. <laughs> yeah. Is it, the, the pyramid stage is flat and that's about it. It's basically in like, a, I think it's in a bit of a valley really. Like it basically bowls around. So the middle is probably flatter. But as you go further out, like the edges of the campsites, I'm pretty certain are pretty high up. So you can get some decent views. I dare say if you're right at the top of the campsite, you'd probably get a decent view of the whole site. Okay. One of my reasons for not going is just that it looks so big. So how did you find finding your way around and finding your tent, particularly in the dark? <laughs> we find, I think we camped in a pretty good spot. We were on like basically on a walkway or like one tent over. So it was pretty straightforward. We could see the pyramid stage. I think once we got to the pyramid stage, we basically knew where we were. But well, I think, Kev, did you have like a bit of an issue one night where you were wandering around for a few hours? Yeah, I'm, I might have got quite hammered and spent about two hours walking around. Couldn't, didn't know where I was going. One, I'm, I covered so much ground just walking from one side of the site to the other. And then I, I can't even remember how I got to the pyramid. I was, I was so wasted. Is that when you rang me because you were lost? Oh, yeah. What was I supposed to I don't know. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't even remember ringing you. I think like once you've been there maybe like a couple of days, though, you can sort of start to get your bearings a bit and you, you'll wander around somewhere and be like, oh, okay, I remember being here yesterday. I know how to get to certain places. And there are actually, to be fair, there are plenty of signs around that will point you in different directions as well. I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures, but <clears throat> I'm pretty certain there's one in the pyramid where there's like, there's probably like six signposts and it will point you in different directions. So it is pretty good. And But yeah, it is just so vast. Uh, we went in this one bar on like the Thursday night and I didn't find it until like Sunday night. We tried to find it again and just didn't know where it was. It is a pretty, it's a pretty big site, but I think it's just because there is stuff just everywhere. Like whatever corner you turn, there is just something else to look at. Um, this might sound a little daft and kind of obvious, but it does look so different at night. Compared to the day, does, yeah. like when everything's all lit up and they've got kind of like, there are certain lights in places, and you're walking past places that you didn't know existed because it, you couldn't see it in the lot in the daylight. Mm, yeah, but then it became more clear in, at night because mm. um, they, they'd be right under kind of lighting, and everything else was darker around it. So it, yeah, it's it's so easy to get lost there. Mm. In terms of distances between. Stages and things like that, then, because I know obviously download. I moan about going all the way to the avalanche. <laughs> What's it like getting between stages? I think it depends what stage you want to go to, really. 
Like from pyramid to like, so you've got like two main stages, so pyramid, and then the it's called the other stage, and they basically like back onto each other. I would say you can get from pyramid to the other stage in maybe like twenty minutes, but you just have to walk all the way around the backstage area. Like you just have to do a big loop to get around to it. But I dare say if you want to go from like I don't know, so we camp quite near a stage called Woodsies. I think if you want to get from there to like I don't know, Proof stage. Yeah, troop stage, the way Skindred played. I reckon you're looking at a good 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how many people you encounter. Yeah. If, if you do it during the day, I reckon if you do it during the day and there's no queues, I reckon you can probably do it in about 45 minutes. If you're going to do it, like, between 8 and, like, midnight, you've got to get past all the crowds. I reckon it'd take you a good a good hour to get there, if not more. Uh, do you know what? I think it'll take you longer than that. I went from the truth to the pyramid, and I think it was when... Uh, sorry, not from Truth to Pyramid. Yeah, from Truth to Pyramid. And it was when either Lizzo was on or the Arctic Monkeys were on. And it took me an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Because Just there was that many people. And you had to do such a big loop because you couldn't get through the crowd. Mm. It was just so, so busy. And, it, it, yeah, it took me like an hour and a half to get through. Wow. And the, the Woodsies is from there would have taken me probably about another 30 minutes to get to. Probably, yeah. So yeah. at peak, you're looking mm. at like a good two hours. Mm. To get from from a certain stage to another stage, so you have to plan well in advance. If there's a yeah. stage you definitely want to go to, okay. yeah, you're not you're not running from stage to stage like you would at most festivals. It's just it's just impossible. So uh, that causes its own issues, doesn't it? Because you do really you do really have to kind of say, I really want to watch this, and I'll forsake this band because I want to see this band. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure there might be some, some people might know like quicker roots, but I think because it was our first time, you basically just join the crowd a lot of the time as well. And I will say as well, the truth stage where Skindred were playing, it's like the late night area. So it turns like one way, I think, after a certain time of day. So you can only go in one way. You have to do like a loop that way as well. So if you're in one part of the site, you might still have to go a bit further to go go around and get in. It is clear on the map, though, like when it switched. I think it's like half 11 or something. It's- yeah, it's somewhere around there. It's, half, it's when, is it when, it's just after the main headliner ends, I think. Yeah. And obviously they're expecting a massive influx of people because mm-hmm. that's where everybody wants to be at that after the headliners are finished. Yeah, it's, it's half ten. Half ten, they've got like an access and an exit point. But during the day, you can just go in, go in whatever direction you want. Okay. So one of my big bugbears about Glastonbury is the flags. Are they as bad in real life as they look on the telly? I don't think they are. No. I'll be honest. I think it's more clear that there are lots of flags when you're looking at it on TV. Mm-hmm. So it could just be the TV angles because they're obviously coming down. Yeah, and swooping, yeah. On the level because they're all on big sticks anyway, are they? Yeah. It probably depends where you're standing, I think, as well. If you're going to stand like in the centre of the crowd and looking towards the pyramid, there will be a lot of flags. When when we saw Foo Fighters, all I could basically see were flags. But when we saw Guns N' Roses, for instance, we stood round to the edge a bit and the view was a lot clearer and a lot better there. I think a lot of the flags probably do congregate at pyramid stage as well, or the main few stages. You may go to some of the smaller stages, maybe a couple at the most. But yeah, there are quite a lot of flags. I guess it's quite good though if, like, if you're with a group of people and one person leaves, it's a good marker to say, okay, "We're going to be here and find your friends again." Yeah, I can see they serve a purpose, but I think they just annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do serve a purpose, but I'm glad they only. They're kind of banned from downloading other festivals. Because mm. those ones, I don't think there's really any need. That's Glastonbury. It does help if you've got one, if you're in a group. Merch. Did you buy any merch? Did you look at merch? What was it like? Were the queues? How much was it? I didn't look. I didn't even look. I saw one merch stand and that was it. I don't know if there were more. There was one to the left of the pyramid stage. I don't remember there being massive queues, but I didn't really pay too much attention. Um, but yeah, I don't remember seeing any other merch stores for the whole weekend. Yeah, I, I had my eye on the merch, and where the where the merch thing was, it was the only one I saw as well all weekend. And I do remember the queues being absolutely horrific. Okay. And it was, it, I think it was just that hot as well. I didn't want to just kind of be stood in the sun for no real purpose yeah. other than to queue for merch where they might not have my size anyway, which, you know, happens at a lot of festivals. Yeah. And I have seen that they did, they did do some really cool colours. So it was the same poster. But they were doing different colours. So you got some really nice red ones. There's some kind of like teal ones, blacks, you know. And 
but I didn't get one there, and I've bought one since uh, they put them online. I think it was this week. Yeah. So I've, I've ordered a T-shirt from the website, which might have been comes in the next couple of days. Okay. And you get some freebies when you go in, is that right? Mm-hmm. What do you get? Like, Is it like a goodie bag, kind of? No, it's not so much a goodie bag, but you do get a bag. Tote bag, isn't it? Yeah, so you get like a canvas tote bag and... The I can't actually remember what's on the bag, if I'm honest. I think it's a I think it's a Greenpeace bag, but it does say Glastonbury. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, they'll just as soon as you get your wristband, they'll just hand it over to you. So, but you get a program. I haven't even looked at the program yet. I think you get a little lanyard as well with like time. So I mean, you're saving yourself what like maybe ten pound that sort of thing that probably costs at some festivals. So they are all included. I'm pretty certain they'll also give you firewood. I didn't see anyone handing out firewood, maybe because it was so hot. But it does say on the website if you want firewood, they will provide it. Yeah, I think. So I think the, how much were the how much of the download ones? Because we get Oz included in our RIP, but I think they're about fifteen quid, aren't they? They're fifteen. Yeah. So basically, you get in program combo and possibly, yeah. a, possibly a badge. Yeah. So you're getting pretty much the same as what you get at download, but saving like fifteen quid. They're just giving it to you. And but, a tote bag would be twenty pound probably at download, maybe. That kiss one was yeah, possibly, arguably, and like one of the the other good things that I really liked as well is that it's kind of clear when you're doing your first run and when you're doing your second run or your third run. But every time you went past, they were always asking you if you wanted another bag. So they obviously they'd have shitloads of these bags made, and they were just quite happy to say, "Oh, do you, you know, do you want another one?" Yeah, unlike other festivals that run out of the merch that you're supposed to get included. Yeah, in your package. <laughs> food. What was food like? What was your favourite food? How much was it? Did you have any good cheesy chips? We spent a lot of money on food. There's basically probably any food you could ever want. Um, the prices, I think, vary. So some places will do this thing they call like a meal deal, which is like for £6. We only went to one place and they basically you could get Cornish pasty chips and curry sauce or beans for £6. And it's open 24 hours a day as well. So... We'd be coming back to the tent like three at night and probably just pop in there and get a Cornish pasty. But I think there are there are other stores that do that sort of thing. I think you can maybe get like cheesy chips for a fiver. The food though uh, was pretty damn good. Uh, my favourite thing there was this near the West Holt stage. It was like a Cajun barbecue. So we had Cajun chicken, Cajun fries and coleslaw. And I think that was like £12. And that was, it was really good. Some of the best festival food I think I've had. We also had uh, Ken's Barbie, so like a chia patter, like steak inside or chicken. I've had them at festivals a couple of times before. That is always good. Uh, near us, we had breakfast a couple of mornings, which I wasn't that impressed with. It's just a standard sort of sausage baguette or sausage. I think they were probably about £10. There's Yorkshire pudding stalls. So, yeah, you get them all, obviously, every festival. Had one of them one one night. We had a pizza. I think that was about £12. Uh, but there's basically any food you could probably ever want. It's probably a bit overwhelming how much food that actually is. And there was a lot of stores I looked at that I wanted to try and just, just didn't have time. Yeah. Um, with Dan on the Ken's Barbie, we must have had two, at least two or three of those. Is that the one that was at Download? It is the one yeah. that was at Download, yeah. Uh, that one in the guest area. Yeah, that so I'd, I'd like yeah. three. I had at least three steak and Stilton cheer batters from there. The oh, there was some really good um, mac and cheese mm. that we had quite early on. Um, I'd like one in pesto that was amazing. There was um, I had quite a bit of Greek food. Uh, some really good garlic and rosemary chips with cheese. They were they were pretty epic. They were really nice. And I suppose I've got to say that I did get through about eight milkshakes while we were there. Um, at least eight, I think. Uh, I'd spotted a milkshake place and they did. It was kind of like an ice cream milkshake. So they get fresher, you know, get the ice cream out, blend it up and make mm. a milkshake with whole milk. Yeah. And yeah, they got mint choc chip. And I mean, you know, I'm like mint choc chip ice cream. Mm. So it was, um, I think every time Dan saw me, if we'd not seen each other for a little while, he'd turn a corner, see me, and I got like at least one milkshake in my hand, if not two. There's, there's also a co-op as well, but never managed to find a co-op. I've no idea where the fuck that was. Apparently, it was. I think it was near Woods. Yeah. I imagine it's similar to the co-op at Danville, but never went in there, never saw it, so I can't can't comment on that. 
I think that gives you a good scale of how big it is. If there's a co-op, then you can't find it. Thinking how big the download co-op is, and it stands out quite a lot. Most of the food places, there was quite a few that were open most of the night as well. So a couple of nights we might have been out to sort of two, three in the morning coming back, and you'll you'll probably be able to find something. Oh, I forgot that. The dirty, those, do you remember those dirty fries that I got? Yeah. Dirty pizza fries. Fries or something. They did look good. Oh. Yeah, it, but they basically came in a big pizza box, shitload of fries covered in loads of cheese, pepperoni, tomato. Oh, they they were pretty epic. They were nice. Did enjoy those. Okay, then. And similarly, then, drinks. Obviously, you can take as much drink as you want and you can carry it around everywhere. Yeah. So what were the drinks like that you purchased price-wise and variety-wise? I think pints were between sort of six and seven pounds. I think we were roughly paying about £6.50 for a pint. But I think each stall can set their own prices. But I did see that one place was selling pints for £5, but I don't know exactly where it was. I saw a picture a couple of days after. Uh, but I was mainly drinking, I was just getting cider from the bars. Yeah, I think they were about £6.50. They were also doing those few cocktail places around some of the bars were selling like frozen daiquiris. I think they were about nine pounds. I think because it was so hot, they were they were pretty nice. But yeah, there's a few other like cocktail stores around. I think they vary from like nine to twelve pounds for a cocktail. Um, prices I think were were okay. But yeah, obviously you can take your own drinks around. So for the first few days, we were just carrying around cans basically, which is pretty handy. Saves you a little bit of money. Yeah, my kind of plan of attack was to get quite obliterated at the tent first thing. Which I think you meant most days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I gave it a good go. Like, I think it was, uh, was it Saturday where I'd got like through eight pints in like an hour? I think so. We'd only just got up and you're already about eight pints deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you guys have been out quite late the night before. I'd got up pretty early and yeah, I was kind of like eight pints deep in about an hour and just getting pretty mashed. But I was drinking, I drank a lot of Pilsner while we were there. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of, um, like the Pilsner was, like Dan said, kind of like anywhere between six and seven quid. I think the most I paid was about 680. Mm-hmm. Kind of seemed to be a sort of standard price. Yeah. I drank a lot of Red Bull because I, I took Jaeger. Yeah. So drank a lot of, <laughs> drank a hell of a lot of Red Bull. But yeah, the prices are, compared to most festivals, I don't think the prices were that bad. I'd say they sound about average, don't they? And- but more variety than yeah. festivals. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like you've just got a choice of Colesburg or Summersby. You know, there were different drinks available, mm. and the frozen daiquiris were nice. And the big question, can you get Coca-Cola, or do you have to have Pepsi? No, you can get Coke. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll say you can get Coke. I only had a few Cokes, but they were from kind of like, um, kiosk kind of places, mm. not the bars. I didn't really – and it was only because I really fancied a Coke at that point in time. It was yeah. red hot. Okay. Don't they sell anything in plastic bottles anymore, do they? So everything's in in cans, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing. I don't know if they pour them out, but I definitely remember buying a can of water at one point. I think it was like two pound for a can of water. But there are plenty of like refill sites as well. There's absolutely loads of places you can refill. I just don't think I had a bottle with me at the time. But yeah, there's loads of water points. Some of them had like a little bit of a queue, but you probably need to queue for a couple of minutes at most. Yeah, they were pretty good for stuff like that. Yeah. Definitely more than I've seen at any other place. Okay. Probably should talk about some music then. I suppose. And just go through who you saw, I guess, if you can remember. If Yeah, if you can remember, that's good. I know some that you saw. You do, yeah. I'm not, I remember the first band I saw. Which was? Uh, for me, it was Skindred. Was that the first for you, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. We saw Mike Skinner from the streets do a DJ set before Skindred. Uh, but it was really busy for that, so I don't, I can't really remember too much of that because I really struggled to get like a decent spot. But yeah, it was just a DJ set anyway. But yeah, Skindred were the first actual band, and they were Thursday night, wasn't they? Yeah, they were yeah. Thursday night at ten thirty. So there was a bit of a mess about with that mm. because on the Glastonbury app, on the Glastonbury lineup posters on the website, they got them down as eleven thirty. Yeah, even on the posters that were printed at the like the stage, they had posters around with the lineup that even said like eleven thirty. But yeah, you someone had spotted it like a week beforehand, say it was half ten. So I think if we hadn't have seen that, we'd have probably just missed it. Yeah, because yeah. oh, you sent me the link, didn't you? Yeah, because Skindred shared it or Benji shared it on Instagram and said ten yeah. thirty. Yeah, and then I sent that one. I think I, I showed you or sent that on to you. Yeah. Um, 
because I think you're right. I think if we'd not seen if we'd not seen that, we would have definitely missed Skindred and been really pissed off to mm. walk up there, walk all that way, and then find out they just finished. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good Newport helicopter? It was the fucking weakest Newport helicopter I've ever seen in my life. Was it weaker than Nottingham Arena? When yeah, they supported, remember they supported. They supported Volby. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Dad? I mean, I've only seen them a few times. I I quite enjoyed them, to be honest. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Skindred fan, but I think because there wasn't that. Like sort of heavy music there, I probably enjoyed it more than I probably usually would. Um, I I thought they were pretty good. I enjoyed them. I've only seen them, I think, three times. So yeah, I think this is about ninth time I've seen them. Probably ninth or tenth, day. somewhere around there. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Skindred were amazing. They were really mm. good, but the crowd just weren't up for Skindred. I think it's fair to say. Mm. They weren't your typical Skindred crowd. Yeah. Maybe though, like people that I did see quite a few people with band t shirts on that play, maybe weren't playing Glastonbury. I saw a couple of like download t shirts over the weekend. And maybe people just didn't realise they were starting at half ten and did just turn up an hour late. I don't think that helped matters. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, it's a good it's a good shout that. And yeah, I mean the the Newport helicopter just some god. <laughs> um and it, it was almost an identical set to the one they did at download this year. Yeah, okay. uh, including the story about Winston. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I was for that was I think that was the only band I watched actually Thursday. Mm. Yeah, because it doesn't officially start till Friday, music wise. Yeah. It? Yeah. So th- there's lots of stuff going on like in the mm. dance area and like near Arcadia and all that kind of stuff. A lot of DJ sets, but yeah. nothing that after the after the Wednesday that we'd have. I think we were both a bit broken after the Wednesday doing a lot of lugging. Yeah, I, I just kind of like. I think after Skindred, I just wanted to go back, have a quick beer, and then go to bed. I think from our tent to that stage, you're probably looking at a good what forty minutes, probably. Yeah, mm. easy, and that's if you get a good run. Because the other thing as well is that by Friday they kind of boxed off a lot of the pyramid mm. stage, so you couldn't walk across it the same way you could Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, yeah. It's Friday. I remember watching the Lightning Seeds. Yeah, I remember you messaging me when you were watching the Lightning Seeds. Yeah. I was quite steaming at that point, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, the Lightning Seeds were absolutely incredible. Played, They played pretty much the perfect set for me. Mm. Uh, I think, we, yeah, we watched that together, didn't we? Yeah, me and Sarah went over and watched the Hives before the Lightning Seeds, and they were really good as well. They had a really big crowd. I think it was about one o'clock, and I was surprised how big the crowd was. I did quite enjoy them. And then, yeah, Kev, you met us for the Lightning Seeds. Yeah. yeah. Um Lightning Seeds are as good as they've ever been, I think. They absolutely just they just absolutely nailed it for me. Yeah, quite enjoyed. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I went just kind of walking around the site after that. because uh, the next band I think I saw was Texas. Yeah. And yeah, Charlene Spread is still sounds amazing. Again, played pretty much everything I wanted to hear. And it, it's kind of that's a good thing about it is because like Lightning Seeds in Texas, with the amounts that they charge at the venues that they're playing now, it, it feels like you're being absolutely screwed. But when you're at a festival and they're basically doing a greatest hits, as it were, every time, it kind of it just makes sense. And yeah, so Texas were really good. Yeah, because even these bands early on got like I think Lightning Seas play for like a good hour, so they're basically playing for quite a long time. So they, they can pack in quite a bit in that in that hour. So yeah, it's not like a set or anything. And yeah, and the bands like that, they've got such a back catalogue that everybody knows. It is just ideal to give them mm. kind of like everybody an hour slot because you know you're just going to get the hit after hit. Yeah. Did you what? Who did you watch after uh, Lightning Seeds? I don't. I think we just wandered around the site for a bit. Don't think we really done a lot for like a couple of hours. Yeah. So the next band that I watched after that, um, I say watched. I missed the first two songs because I might have got quite hammered and then decided I needed a nap after Texas. I went and had a bit of a lay down in the tent and woke up thinking that sounds like Dave Grohl. Why am I dreaming about Dave Grohl? And then I woke up and realised the Foo Fighters are on the band that I've been wanting to watch for God knows how long. Probably since '94, so and um, yeah, I almost missed them. I did try and ring. Well, I'm going to try and ring you just in case you've gone for a nap, but I couldn't get through to you. <laughs> yeah, I I think I looked at my phone and I've got some. I've got quite a few missed calls and messages. Kev, yeah. Kev, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Who's are on? Where are you? Yeah. Uh, so I missed. I thought initially I thought I'd miss like 30 minutes, and then I looked at the set list on Setlist FM. It turns out I've only missed two songs, so I did really kind of panic that I'd missed so much good stuff. But I'd only, I think it was, I think the only one I was that annoyed I'd missed was Learn to Fly. 
Yeah. I think it was I think they opened with that. Yeah, the crowd was it was huge. I think everyone knew it was gonna be Foo Fighters. I think there's been rumors for a while. Um I think he even came out on on stage and said like I think everyone knew it was us all along. But they, they were good. It's the third time I've seen them and I mean the first time I saw them, I think it was it's probably nostalgia that is probably my favourite like one of my favourite gigs, but I think they were just as good at Glastonbury, I think as as they've ever yeah. been. They were really good. Yeah, they, they were they were pretty awesome. We got a really good view. Um, they only played nine songs, I think it was. Yeah, I think they had about an hour. Yeah, so I, I only missed kind of like ten minutes at the most. Finally, got to tick the Foo Fighters off. Yeah, you did. Which to your annoyance, it was still got tickets now for next year. <laughs> it might happen. It might happen. You get I'm to not see convinced, them. But it might happen. I was watching along live on telly for that one anyway. Yeah. I was there in spirit. Um, I think the same night, that was Arctic Monkeys wrong? Yeah, Arctic Monkeys headlined that night. I think they were definitely overshadowed by Foo Fighters. To yeah. The same band they were like 20, well, how, 10, 15 years ago. I don't think they're the same. I thought they were okay, but Foo Fighters were definitely the best band. Oh, there. yeah. I would say Foo Fighters had the bigger crowd as well. Yeah, I noticed that kind of getting from where we were camped to, so I was making my way towards the truth stage. And just kind of watching bits of the Arctic Monkeys as as it was kind of like moving, you know, maybe staying in a couple of a song and then moving on again. Yeah, the crowd was probably the thinnest I'd seen it all weekend for a headliner. Mm. I just don't think people, like you said, everybody watched the Foo Fighters. And I think after that, every anything else was kind of like, oh, I wish we'd had Foo Fighters headlining instead. I think that seemed to be the general mm. consensus from people. Would have rather Foo Fighters done. Like two hours set or yeah I, I, and i think that's what it was it's was like they were although it was great seen as a secret set they were kind of too big like sense so you know because there's such a probably the biggest band in the world for them to just do like an hour and then you've got to wait 30 minutes and then it's elsie monkeys you kind of go yeah i've just seen the foo fighters <laughs> yeah so i watched i watched a bit of those and then that was quite a late night because i then went on to kind of i was just kind of like walking around there's kind of things going on and i went to go and see empire state bastard and you, you had a bit of an issue trying to get to that didn't you yeah so the friday is when because it was late at night as well this is when they turned that section so empire state bastard played the same stage as skindred so like the late night area so this is when they turn it into like a one-way system and by the time food fighters no sorry by the time arctic monkeys finished i think we maybe had like maybe half an hour or an hour to get to that stage and it probably took us 45 minutes to get like halfway there and i was like by the time we get there we're probably going to see like 10 15 minutes of them so we basically got halfway and then just stopped and went into the bar instead i thought this is just probably just not worth the hassle so we just went into a bar instead and just sat there for a bit <laughs> it's a bit of a shame so i would have liked to have seen them but i just yeah i guess this is the thing with glastonbury there's so many people and they're so big like I say, you're not just going to get from stage to stage in like five or ten minutes. Yeah, I'm, I managed to make it across, and they were absolutely amazing. Just as good, just as good as they were at download, I think. But I got a much better view. I was, well, I was on the barrier, like right at the front, and it seemed really thin. And it did, but it did fill up quite a bit, I think. But it wasn't as busy as the Skindred gig was. Skindred on those on that stage, the Skindred gig was much more packed than. Uh, and, Empire State Bastard. I mean, because I thought I was going to miss Skindred. Yeah. I managed to get through. But yeah, Empire State Bastard were really, really good. And it's weird how I like that, but I hate Biffy Clara. I know it's two different it's styles of music. Very different sound. Very different it? sound. Normally, a hatred is normally kind of like built, rooted yeah. deep in. And But I absolutely love them. Yeah, they were great. They were absolutely amazing. They finished about 2.30, I think. So that's quite a late one. Yeah, that was late, isn't it? Just remembered as well, one of the other bands that I saw on Friday, which was in between the headliners and Empire State Bastard, was The Damned. Yeah, so I got to see The Damned, and they were amazing. They were really, really good. It took me ages to find them. So I missed kind of like the first 10, 15 minutes, but yeah, they were pretty They were pretty good. But definitely worth watching, and still had it after all this time. So glad I got to see those. Yeah. Saturday then. Yeah, that's it for Friday. Yeah, I think that was all of Friday. Saturday, I remember watching a bit of Rick Astley. Yeah, I could hear him, see him from the tent. Um, by all accounts, I thought he was pretty good. He sounded pretty good, to be honest. I think he had a decent-sized crowd down there as well. Yeah, it was pretty packed, to be fair. Yeah. And he did. Um, even did a cover of Thunderstruck. I yeah, think he played that, actually. I yeah, don't remember. Yeah. I think he played the drums and sang at the same time, so... Yeah, and then bemoaned his uh, trousers being ill-fitting because yeah. they kept getting stuck on the uh, drum pedals. 
So he said that it, although it was his dream to do it, he kind of balls it up a bit. Yeah, I just remember seeing a post on Facebook actually saying Rick Astley's just murdered Dunderstruck or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was all right. I think he did a mm. decent job. It was all right. Yeah. It was like first act done on the on Pyramid, so I think it's probably quite a nice start. It's like a Saturday. It was all right. Yeah, I think I think after a late night Friday, it was. You know, although I'm, I don't like 80s kind of pop and all that kind mm. of stuff, it was kind of it was quite a, a fun kind of thing to kind of watch you <laughs> doing other things and making your way to other stages. I think I'd have watched him if I was there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you'd have loved it. Eight year old me would have. Yeah, uh, I then went on to the cabaret uh, stage, so I wanted to see Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe, mm. but. You couldn't get anywhere near the tent. There were queue, people were queuing outside, hoping that somebody was going to come out so they could get in. And they'd actually got security on all the exits because the tent had got that busy. Wow. How big was the tent? I never went over there. Did you manage to get in for anyone else? Yeah, so I got in for the person who was on after, which was Spencer Jones. Yeah. He's a comedian that he's been on things like 8 out of 10 Cats. He's not a huge comedian, and like it was pretty dead watching him there was a few people in and the tent's probably i'd say it's probably about the size of the dog tooth mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of put it into a context that you kind of get but might be even a little bit bigger than that but yeah it was um it was really funny i really enjoyed watching him doing uh lots of kind of crazy shit and sampling his own stuff and then playing it back and mm-hmm. yeah doing all kinds of songs kind of making weird songs and then there's some kind of like really bad jokes but good bad jokes um, yeah, but they, they, it was real fun to watch. Uh, who did you watch after uh, Rick? I feel like on Saturday I didn't really do too much. I think I was suffering a bit from the heat at this point because we had a few nights in the tent, and I think Saturday was just very hot. So we walked over to the Woodsies area, which was not too far from where we were camped, probably 10 minutes, and, and you were there um, with the hope to get some food and the drink. And, and I don't think... I think the tube for the bar were pretty long. I think we finally got to the front. Like the so basically the the daiquiri machine wasn't working, so it wasn't frozen properly. So we queued for like fifteen minutes, and then we couldn't get a daiquiri. So uh, we just wandered around a bit, um, tried to get some shade. I think that is quite a good part about it because it is just a massive, massive farm. Basically, there's plenty of places to get some shade. So we sat in the woods for a bit, had a bit of a wander around, and I watched a band called Shame on Woodsies. Um, they're like a sort of post-punk band. Uh, I think they've got like two or three albums, and they were probably one of my acts of the weekend. Like that front man is is pretty crazy, and they're a pretty good crowd as well. But yeah, my Saturday was just spent sitting around relaxing for a bit, just because of the heat. It was taking its toll at that point. Nothing to do with the vast amount of alcohol you'd consumed the night before. Combined with that as well, I think yeah, I was suffering. <laughs> Yeah, I went on to watch, after Spencer Jones, I went on to eventually go and watch The Mannix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who I've, again, another band that I never thought I'd get to tick off, but finally got to see them. And that was quite funny and interesting at the same time because there were, everybody seemed to know Design for Life and, you know, all of the songs from that kind of period. And as soon as they started playing anything from the Holy Bible, everybody just kind of went, I don't know this. Mm. What's this? Yeah, I was watching that live and I could tell yeah. who knew what and it was quite funny to watch. It, it was, yeah, you could there as well. It was so easy to spot who were actual Mannix fans and who knew the albums. And mm. um, I mean, they played some, again, they played some of my favourites. They played La Tristesse de Herrera. They played um, You Love Us. You know, they, they did quite a few tracks off the Holy Bible. You know, obviously they did things like Design for Life and the only one that they didn't play that I really wanted to hear was Kevin Carter. Mm. That would have been that that would have just topped it off for me, but they finished with uh oh they played Everything Must Go, which obviously mm. everybody knew. And then they finished off with If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next. Yeah. Which was a, kind of a good way to kind of finish it off. Mm. And yeah, but they were excellent. Still still got it after all these years. Uh, Chris, I think we were, we were at Pyramid, so uh, we went and watched Lizzo. Who, I will admit it's not really my thing, but I thought she put on a pretty good show. From what I can tell, I know probably two, three songs. Um, I think she was billed as like a co-headliner with Guns N' Roses. So I think she may be played for just over an hour, um, but she also seemed to have a pretty pretty big crowd. Um, and it was, it was quite enjoyable for what it was. Yeah, I caught the back end of that. Uh, so I left the Mannix 
because I wanted to get back round for Guns N' Roses. As I left the Manics, getting round to the crowd, that took it, even because they were on, Manics were on the other stage. And as we were saying before, you know, you could probably do it in like 20 minutes, 25 minutes from there. And that took me an hour to get back because the, the crowd that Lizzo got was stupid. It, I've, absolutely, you know, for somebody that wasn't the headliner, mm. for somebody that wasn't the headliner, that was probably the busiest below them I'd seen all weekend. So I caught a bit of Lizzo. Again, not my thing. And I don't know any songs, but people seem to be enjoying it. So it was all good. Eventually made it way, my way back to the tent and chilled out and might have had a bit of a nap, I think. Mm. You know, like a nap at a festival and I've been drinking all day. Yeah, after Lizzo, it was Guns N' Roses. The, I mean, this is an interesting one because you were there as well. What did you think, Dan? I quite enjoyed them. I think they were better when they first started. I thought he sounded pretty good. Um <clears throat> I don't think he sounded as good by the end of the set. And I've watched some videos back since and I was listening thinking mm, maybe it wasn't as good. But I think it was just that time went on, maybe got a bit tired. I mean, they played for, I think they maybe had the longest set of the whole festival. I think it was like two and a half hours. Mm. <clears throat> Probably comparable to what Elton John done on the Sunday. But I think they definitely had longer than Arctic Monkeys. I will say, I think they sounded better at Glastonbury and they did it download in 2018 but I think I maybe preferred the 2018 set just because I think the atmosphere was a bit better I think you're obviously among more people that probably like Guns N' Roses more than like the Glastonbury crowd I do think they maybe had the smallest crowd of all three headliners though it was pretty I don't want to say easy but we managed to get a decent spot where you could see majority of the stage you could see the screens fairly easily to be fair yeah I, I remember when because I was with you for kind of about a third of that. Yeah. And I'm with you that I thought he was better, well, Guns N' Roses were better this time than Download. And I think you're right about the atmosphere. I don't think the atmosphere was the same. The atmosphere was a lot better at Download. And it was a thinner crowd from what I've seen. But I've also, I also think there were issues with the BBC feed and the mics, because I don't think, and I think that's why it came across so poor on TV, but when you were there, I think it was. I think it was faultless. I think he sounded better. This, I think Axel sounded better this time than 2018. Okay, because I watched the first hour live, and he didn't sound great at all. It was kind of his voice was just coming in and out, like he wasn't singing. He couldn't sing. He was getting the high notes in, but then there were bits missing, and it it didn't come across great. And there were a lot of comments on Facebook saying he sounded awful. So. Yeah, well, being there, he, he sounded absolutely faultless. So definitely mm. at the start, I thought they were great, and I, I do think it was a feed issue with yeah. the mics. I mean, I, I did actually prefer this set. Um, I'm kind of like the opposite of you on this, so I preferred this set because they were they played stuff from like the Spaghetti Incident mm. and a lot of random B sides that like I'm a massive Guns N' Roses fan, so for me it's kind of like it's, it's perfect. But if you're not somebody kind of knows every single album they've done and they did covers of other stuff. Yeah. But they were covers that I knew. Unless you kind of know those songs. And I think mm. that's I think that's what pissed a lot of the crowd off that they weren't just doing Sweet Child of Mine and they weren't yeah. just doing Paradise City and Welcome to the Jungle and Which is interesting because you would have thought they would have played to that more general crowd with the greatest hits that wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, knowing no more Guns of Roses like they probably did it yeah. just to piss people off. Yeah, there were parts of it where I didn't know some of the songs to be fair. I, I like Guns N' Roses, like, listen to all the albums, but there were some songs where I was just like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, I remember you saying to me, it's like, what's this one? I, this, I think this was, yeah. it was one that was from the Spaghetti Incident. Mm. I can't remember which song it was now. Um, but saying like, yeah, it's, it's this. And you just kind of like looking at me with a blank expression, so like, I, I don't know this. I don't know what this is. It's good. Trust me, it's good. I would like to play Get in the Ring, actually. That would have been good. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I could create. I'm just saying, I've listened to a few a few videos since I've been home on YouTube. I do think they sounded better in person than they do on yeah. on the video. Yeah, I, I do think there was an issue with mm. the feed on that, which which was a shame. But I think for a lot of the crowd, Guns N' Roses aren't a Glastonbury band. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it made my it made me happy when they were announced, but a lot of people would have been mm. just a bit annoyed by it. Yeah. Um. So that was Saturday, Sunday. I did see quite a few bands Sunday, I think. Who was your first band? First band on Sunday was Black Country New Road, who played on West Holtz. So I think you came and met me uh, for for probably half of that set. Uh, the sort of 
quite hard to describe really. They're sort of like an indie slash jazz band. Um, I think they've got maybe one or two albums, but if I remember rightly, the, the lead singer, I think it's maybe one album, I think the lead singer on that album left just before it was released. So basically the whole set is like new songs. Um, I, I quite enjoyed them. They had decent sized crowd. My plan was to go down there, have a wander around, get some food, but it was absolutely packed. All the food places down there were really busy. So I think I just got some food and I was walking back to the tent in the end. But um, yeah, quite enjoyed them for what, from what I saw. Yeah, I remember I've, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten watched until you mentioned it. But yeah, a lot, I, I'm not familiar with them. But yeah, they seem pretty decent. And yeah, it's probably somebody that I'll go back to and kind of like check out. But they were, they were kind of a good sort of Sunday band, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they, they were pretty good for me. I'm struggling to remember who I watched after that. It might have been. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, oh, it might have been Beans on Toast. I think I watched a bit of Beans on Toast who were on the Greenpeace stage because uh, I was going to wait for Fatboy Slim. However, with Fatboy Slim, they ended up pulling it because of security fears because of how many people were there. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's why Fatboy Slim never made an appearance on that stage. It was supposed to be that Greenpeace like tree. Yes. It's like, what is it? Is it made out of plastic or something? Some sort of or fire, fire plastic. I don't really know what it's made of. There's just a big temporary tree in this Greenpeace field. And the field is not that big. So it doesn't surprise me that they decided to, to can it in the end. Yeah, so you've got a stage at one end and you could access it from two, from a point to the right side of it, a point to the mm-hmm. left side of it, and you could access it through the, from the main thoroughfare. So it was kind of like in a very prominent position with lots of entry points. And the stage had been pretty empty all day. And Beans on Toast ended up playing there. And it was supposed to be Fatboy Slim doing a DJ set in the in this kind of like plastic tree, as it were, or recycled tree, mm-hmm. plastic tree. A little bit hard to describe, but yeah. kind of imagine Lord of the Rings, that kind of look at yeah. star looking tree, but um, okay. There was all kind of like lit up inside, and it was supposed to be in there, but like a stage in the tree, isn't there? That's like you can like see someone standing in the tree and think it was going to do a DJ set in the tree. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah it, it sounds like a fucked up dream, but that's that is yeah. what it was like. Um, yeah, and they ended. I've, I've heard they'd ended up pulling it from because just because of the amount of people and security fears around it. So as soon as people realised it was being on toast playing and not Fabio Slim, they. A lot of people kind of dispersed after mm. that. But, yeah, Beans on Toast were good. Then I went to go and watch one of my kind of favourite newish bands. So I went, to go, I went to go and watch The Who. The H-U-Who. The H-U-Who, yeah. And they followed up another performance straight off the back of Download, and it was just as good. A lot of the crowd weren't really, I wouldn't say really up for it. They, they got a decent crowd, but the crowd they got at Download the atmosphere was completely different. I can imagine. Yeah. There was a lot of twats in hats, mm. um, trying to do some of the worst kind of mosh pits I've ever seen in my life. I did see that when I watched it back, actually. Yeah, they were fucking awful mosh pits, weren't they? Um, and, but, yeah, The Who were absolutely amazing. Really, I mean, they're one of my new favourite bands. And, yeah, they were excellent. Uh, who did you check out, Dan? Uh, so I think after Black Country New Road, I just head back to Pyramid. So the people that were camped near us, I think uh, they'd all packed up. Um, so we, I got my chair and just moved up the hill a little bit and I could see the pyramid stage. You could see the screens. You could hear it pretty well from like 10 yards from our tent. So I sat there for the next couple of acts. So I sat there and watched Cat Stevens do that legend slot and. Yeah, quite enjoyed him to be honest. I don't, I think when he was announced, a lot of people probably think that legend slot is going to be more sort of pop artists. I think Diana Ross done it last year, but it was quite a nice sort of chilled sort of Sunday afternoon sitting there listening to him just play his guitar. Uh, so yeah, I sat there and listened to that. And yeah, even though we were quite a long way from the stage, we still had a pretty good view. You could hear everything pretty clearly. So I just have. I would have loved to have seen that, but it clashed with the Who, and I could have never made it. I could never have done both at the same time. So um, the Who were always going to win. They were one of the bands for me the weekend. So, um, but yeah, I, it is one person that I, I kind of regret not seeing as well. I also caught a bit of Blondie. Yeah, so we sat in the same place and watched Blondie just near the tent. 
not not massively impressed, to be honest. No, I was like, she was probably the worst I'd seen all weekend, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, one of the worst acts of the weekend. Um, I think the band sounded pretty good, and I guess they've been around quite a long time now, so they're not going to be the same band they were like 30, 40 years ago. But yeah. Yeah, it, it was... I kind of expected it after the last performance by Bologna at mm. Glastonbury, which was about four or five years ago. Yeah, and mm. I saw a clip from the Isle of Wight. Was it the weekend before and wasn't great there? Yeah. Yeah, she mm. she wasn't good at all. She really wasn't. Mm. And I think, although the, I think the crowd kind of pulled her along a little bit. Mm. So it, it didn't, when you were there, it didn't maybe sound as bad as it could have been. But mm. yeah, she wasn't good. And it's like it, it, she must get to a point now where she realizes she's not got that voice anymore. And it's just can't kind of just knock it on the head. It's like you make enough money out of royalty, surely. And I think after that, um, for me, like I, I think I had a bit of a sleep again because I like sleep. Um, there was some absolute dog shit on the pyramid stage again. So I, I was quite happy just to kind of like nod off while that was on. Um, so I didn't watch anything else till Elton came on. Did you watch anyone else, Dan? Yeah, so we walked down to Pyramid and watched Lil Nas X. So I think that's who you were then describing. Yeah. Um, yeah, my partner's quite a big fan. It was it was okay. I don't think I'd go watch him again. Similar to sort of Lizzo, I think. Pretty decent-sized crowd. I don't know how many people were actually there for Elton John and trying to get a good spot. But he sounded okay. But yeah, it's not really not really my thing. Yeah. The, that and that's the thing with Glastonbury. There's, there is a lot of people who will be on like Pyramid Stage or whatever that you just really don't want to watch, and you just mm-hmm. kind of the only reason you're there is to kind of wait for who's on after, yeah, because it's too hard to get to another stage and back again. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then it was time for the biggest headliner that was probably my favourite headliner, I think, which was Elton. Agreed. Sorry, what was that? Yeah. Then? Just say agreed, yeah. Favorite headline of the weekend. Yeah, played everything I wanted to hear. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really bothered that he didn't bring out the people that everybody wanted. Because mm. I couldn't have given a shit either way. We pulled who we brought out because I was there to watch Elton, not yeah. not some sidekick. And um, the only gripe I've got is that he played Rocket Man, and it wasn't the original Rocket Man. It was mm. kind of like a Kind of like a jazzed up live version, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was like a, I don't think it was like an extended version. I swear it was like a ten minute long version of that song. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much kind of shit going off in it. It was that kind. That was the only thing that ruined it for me. Mm. Because Rocket Man's my favorite Elton song, and then to to hear wait for that one song, and then for it not to be the one you want it to be, just kind of did me. But the amount of fireworks that went off as well, fucking Christ. Yeah, there was a lot, wasn't there? On the telly, there looked a lot anyway. There was a lot, yeah. There was. He was really good, though. I really enjoyed him. I think he was the one out that I was looking forward to the most. Um, and I think he lived up to it. And the crowd was, it was huge. One of the biggest crowds I think I've ever seen. It was it was massive. It was so busy. Yeah, I, I watched it from the, um, up on the hill from next to the tent. And you could the crowd just kept stretching and stretching and stretching. Mm. But we were we were around to the right hand side. There's like a bar around the right hand side, and it was it was packed around there. I mean, you couldn't even you could barely even see the screen around there. So we kept we kept going to the bar and then moving back around. And there were people standing around there. I don't know what they would have expected to have seen. I guess you could still hear it. But yeah, I know when we got there on the I don't know if it was the Wednesday or the Tuesday night, but there's a campsite at the top of the pyramid and they'd actually decided to close that. So it was just for, for more standing. I think because they probably expected Elton John to have that big of a crowd. So yeah, when you look at the actual Glastonbury map, I can't remember what it's called, but they just decided to close the campsite just so they could get more people standing in there. Yeah, was it that Sydney was... Mead? Um <clears throat> I've got a copy of the map here. I think it was, uh, I think it's Romead. Romead. So when you look at the map, you can see it like stretches around. And yeah, that was supposed to be camping, but they just decided not to let anyone camp in it just because I think they expected Delwyn to have such a big crowd. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it was, 
I think the biggest crowd I've ever seen before might have been Guns N' Roses at Download. I think there was about 100 and 105,000 there. And Elton, there was more than that. It was well in excess of 120, probably mm. closer to 140. Yeah. Just to see that one person. Um, so I feel bad for the other acts that were on because so many people were there to see Elton John. Some of the other stages must have just been pretty deserted. Like, I guess that is the thing with Glastonbury, though. They will have headliners on at the same time. I know there's some festivals they'll just let their headliners end the night and just be on on their own, but there were probably six or seven stages that were running at the same time. But I dare say some of them must have just been just been half empty. So. Yeah. Queens of the Stone Age on at the same time, weren't they? That was really frustrating. I would have loved to have had Queens of the Stone Age on after Elton. Yeah. Because I would have kind of positioned myself right down the side mm. and then made it across to where Queens of the Stone Age were playing and got across to watch them. But, yeah, uh, that that was frustrating. But, a cla- you know, mm. you get clashes everywhere, so... But it, it was kind of like the one chance I'm probably only ever going to get to see Elton. I'm going to say you'll probably see... Queens at some other point. But... Yeah, Queens, I know I'll see next year at Downward. They'll definitely be there. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like you have to take the best that you can. And it's, yeah. um, it's kind of like it is pretty much a once in a lifetime now without yeah. them being in the 70s. So, uh, yeah, I think I made the right choice and it was probably the highlight of the weekend, I think, for me. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of my moments I wished I was there was Alton. Oh, is it? Yeah. What were you, the moments you wished you were there? Elden Foods. Elden and ones that you didn't see, but Man of Skin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm still disappointed you didn't watch them for me. But... Fuck that. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> yeah, they were the three I kind of wished I watched. Just to finish then, I guess, anything else that you saw, any random bits or bobs or things that you've not mentioned that you want to? I'll tell you what I did see. A random act on a, a, an outdoor stage next to the cabaret. It was kind of like a circus kind of thing. Mm. And one of the things they were getting all the crowd to sing, sing along to, while I think this was on the day that the submarine sank, looking oh, for the Titanic. Was that on the Thursday, I think? No, no, it went missing on the Thursday, didn't it? I, think, I don't think it. they got till, was it Friday or Saturday? And um, yeah, Saturday afternoon they were they got everybody singing "We All Live in a Yellow Submarine." Oh, so I don't know if that was an intentional thing or whether that was just something, whether it was that was on did naturally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Some some of the other things like I'd seen there were, I mean, kind of like the the downsides to Glastonbury for me is kind of like the the toilet and shower situation. Oh, yeah, I've not mentioned that, have I? No, because yeah. that is fucking grim, oh. especially especially by Sunday. That is really grim. Mm. Yeah, I think when we got there, when, when, like, I've been to Redden and Leeds a couple of times, and they're similar toilets to what they've got in the campsite. And I think when I used them Wednesday, Thursday, I was like, because it's been a few years since I've used those sort of toilets, so I was like, okay, they're they're okay, they're not fantastic. But by Sunday, yeah, once they started to like fill up, and they were not. They were not good. I think people have just started to like make a bit of a general mess and stuff. Just leave drinks around, like just leave rubbish laying around. They were not in a good way by Sunday. No, I've noticed the kind of like the cleanliness of the site. Actually, people generally, I'd say ninety percent of the people actually respected it. Yeah, it was kind of like that minority. Yeah, I mean we. Like, like I said, those people that camped near us, they packed up Sunday morning and they took everything with them. Their campsite was absolutely spotless, and it seemed like people do try and respect as much as they can. And there's there's absolutely there's bins everywhere. There's bins to split out if you've got like food waste, cups, that sort of thing, cans. There's there's bins everywhere, and they do do encourage you to try and recycle everything and split them all out into different bins, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely the most sustainable festival I've ever been to. Yeah, because I read something earlier that said it got an online, not an online, um, its own on-site recycling centre. It has, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the most sustainable thing I've been at. Mm. Went up to the Stone Circle. Mm. That was pretty cool. Uh, went up to one of the highest points of the site. And 
while I was at the one of the highest points of the site, I could hear this massive rumble. What the fuck is that? And the next minute, it was the Red Arrows doing a flyover. And was it planned for Glastonbury? Or were they just flying past? I imagine it was for Glastonbury. Okay. Considering they flew straight across the site. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, but it felt like they were literally above my head. They were they were flying very close to the ground, mm. um, to the point where I was. But yeah, that was. It's been a while since I've seen the red arrows, but that was, that was kind of cool. That I was I just managed to get into the right place at the right time. Um, anything else you remember, Dan? Um, I think it's just hard to explain how big and how much stuff is going on just constantly. Like you're you're. The time seems to go so quickly. So the headliners will finish and where, where you're at some festivals, everyone just head back to the campsite. People are just around all night. And by the time, before you know it, it's like 3 a.m. You're walking back to the tent and you'll just stumble across something else. There's just so much to see and so much to do. I just don't think you can do it in probably like 10 festivals. You could be there 10 times over and have a different experience each time. Like, come home and read all these stories of what people done and I'm thinking like oh well, I wish I'd have done that or I wish I'd have seen that I can't believe I missed this and I'm thinking well I've probably done like a whole weekend of the things that they didn't do I think it's just it's just that big and there's just so much to do it's just I think until you're there it's just impossible to like explain the scale of it I guess the key thing is it's just once you're in you're in there's no barriers you can basically just do what you want all weekend you can just if you want to sit in pyramid all weekend you can just go do that. You can actually just sit there five days straight and not move. Like, it's hard to explain. Uh, yeah, I think the scale of it, it kind of like it, it surprised me. Even though obviously we knew all about it and how big it was, the scale of it is it is unlike anything else I've ever been to. Um, and I I think you're right that there's probably going to be stuff that I wish I'd have seen and done. But at the yeah. same time, I probably wouldn't have done half of the things that. I've seen and done. Yeah. We made a list, a massive list of things to do, and I think we've probably done 10% of it. I'm thinking if I do again, okay, I can just spend more time in, like, this area instead. Because there's probably areas we just totally missed or just walked through, didn't pay much attention to. But if you go again, you can say, well, maybe we'll spend, like, a day in this area. We'll go see a band on this stage, that sort of thing. You just, you just don't have time because there's so much walking as well. Yeah, hell of a lot of fucking walking. Yeah. That whole southeast corner is like the stage where Skindra played. That area is called like Shangri La. And then before that, you've got like the whole dance area. And it's basically just like a festival in itself. There's like four or five different venues in there. Every single bar in the, in the whole arena has got like its own identity and its own name. Like we went in one called Avalon and it's basically built of wood. And we went upstairs and it's got like just an upstairs seating area. Like it's just, it's crazy how, how big everything is. It's hard to explain. It's very easy just to wander around and get lost. I can understand how people could go, not watch anything and still have like just a great weekend. Final question then. Would you go back again, assuming you can get tickets? Go on, Kev, you go. <laughs> uh, 100%. Yeah, I think I would. Unfortunately, next year causes a bit of an issue because it l- looks like next year clashes with Hellfest. Yeah. I want to go to Hellfest next year. But, yeah, 100%, I would do I would do Glastonbury again. I think it's worth it. Dan? I'd definitely go again. If, if I can get tickets, I, honestly, I would go probably every year now. I feel like if I didn't go next year and I was just sitting at home knowing it's on, I'd just be so like deflated thinking like it's on and I'm just just I'm missing it. It was it was such a good weekend. It was a little bit too hot. I wish it was a bit cooler. I think that would have made things even better. Um but yeah, definitely I'll definitely go again. Hundred percent. Yeah. I I think the um obviously like next year I want to do Hellfest, but I think after that I think we'll um you know I, I had a fantastic weekend. It was a really good laugh. The the carrying and the slog was really hard, but once you were kind of set up, it it was perfect. And yeah, I'd definitely go again. So there's your answers. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, cheers for doing this, dude. All right, cheers, and that's been good. So that was the interview with me and Dan around Glastow. There's also a couple of bits I forgot to mention at the time, and one of which was that. On the Thursday afternoon, while I was uh, near the truth stage, 
I was walking around and actually bumped into and spoke to Benji from Skindred. Can't believe you forgot that. I know. I can't either. And as always, Benji was really nice. He was with his, he was with his partner, and yeah, very kind of the very kind of accommodating person that Benji is. You know, I had a little, bit of a chat and then uh, kind of left him to the rest of his day. Didn't want to take up too much of his time. And also, one of the acts that I saw over the weekend that I'd completely forgotten about was actually one of my favourites, which was Cassette Boy versus DJ Rubbish. And for anybody who's not familiar with that, it's very much a kind of uh, a stab at kind of uh, the political world and a lot of sampled and cut together spliced uh, footage, which was absolutely hilarious. So now I think that is everything covered that we did over the weekend. So, Jem, has your mind changed? I don't think so. Parts of it sound appealing, more appealing than before. For instance, the flags aren't that much of a bother, depending where you stand. Yeah. But then other parts about the struggle to get around and get to different stages and, nah. The bathroom situation, the, bathroom the situation. shower situation. That's not going to change unless there's a way of posh camping or we acquire a camper van or a caravan. Yeah. Which, you know, could be a thing, but probably not for next year. Yeah. Maybe one day. I'm not going to rule it out forever, but not for not the foreseeable. Yet. Yeah. Okay. There's the end of the episode then. So hope you enjoyed listening to that one. If you went to Glastonbury as well, let us know how you found it. Was it your first time? Are you a regular? Who did you see? What did you think? As always, don't forget to check us out on social media. If you're not following us already, we're on Instagram and Twitter at ReadyToMoshCast and Facebook, TikTok and YouTube at ReadyToMosh. And please remember to give us a like and a share on your preferred podcast platform. And we'll be back next time with another episode. Make it rocket man, Moog.